Um, today we're going to be talking about the fact um, that we all have people in our life who we love. Um, people that, that, that are super important to us. Um, people that have special places in our heart. Um, whether it's family members, whether it's coworkers, whether it's just really, really, really good friends. Um, we have people in our lives who we love, but we wish that they would change. And, and they're not changing. And, and so, so what do we do about that? Like, how do we approach that? Like, like, there are people in our lives that we would consider to be misfits, right? And, and the reason we think that is because they don't believe the same way that we believe, or they're not doing the things that we think that they should do. And, and, and because of that, we're, 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 we're seeing how different we are, and we get so upset and we get so frustrated because they're not changing the way that we want them to change. Um, let, me, let me set this up, and let me give you a couple of examples um, of what I'm talking about. Um, what is the first presidential election that you remember? Not that you voted in, but what's the first presidential election that you, that you remember happening? Um, for me, the first one I remember is um, George Bush, the OG George Bush, and Michael Dukakis. Um, this is 1988. How many of you remember this? How many of you remember ones before that? Like, you actually remember them happening. All right, there were some before this I don't remember because um, I was little. But this is the first one I remember taking place. Now, is that that's funny? Like, uh, uh, is it because I'm young or because you're really old or what? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but the fir- this is the first one um, for me. Um, now, this is where I learned that there are Democrats, all right, Dukakis was a Democrat, and Democrats are on the left side, and there are Republicans. So I, this is where I first learned the difference between Democrats and Republicans, because Bush was a Republican, and Republicans are on the right side. And I learned in this election that, that there are people, besides just like kind of in the middle, there are people on the far, far right and people on the far, far left. Now, here's the deal, and, and you can see this even in history today. I learned this in 1988. People on the far left hate people on the far right, correct? And, and people on the far right hate people on the far left. And so they build these arguments, and they build these cases, and they attack each other, and they attack, and they attack, and they attack, and they attack. But if we're all honest, and, and we really see what's going on, people on the far right push people on the far left further left when they argue with them. And people on the far left push people who are on the far right further right when they argue with them. Like nobody has ever said, you know what? You're right. I'm a Republican, but I'm going to become a Democrat because you shouted at me and screamed at me and shamed me so much, I'm just going to give in. Like like nobody has ever done that. I've never seen anybody do that. Have you? Let's do another one. Maybe you don't get this one, but let let me use an illustration. Maybe hits a little bit closer to home. Iowa and Iowa State. I think you guys had a basketball game yesterday. Iowa State fans, y'all got some work to do. I'm just saying, man, that was, that was rough. Now, I get it. Like, there are people in the middle that say, like, oh, I'll just pull for both teams, and I'm excited about both of them. I'm excited that they got to play. No, you're not. You're just not. Um, but Iowa fans, all right? I'm not going to add. Don't, no, don't. No, stop. Stop. Like, man, after service, going to be like an altar call. And whoever did that to come up here, and Jesus can forgive you for your sin. But Iowa fans are so far one way, right? They hate Iowa State people, right? And there are Iowa State people that are so far Iowa State that they just hate Iowa people. And Iowa fans, listen, you can hoot and holler and build your cases, and you can build arguments, and you can quote stats to Iowa State fans all day long. But you know what? They don't hear them, and, and they don't care. You know why? 
because they're building their own arguments and they're putting together their own stats and they're building their own theories of why they can't score more than four points in a basketball game. Like, like I, I, I've, never seen, I've never seen in my life, ever, 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 and you've probably never seen this either, I've never seen an Iowa fan get screamed at and shamed so much that they eventually go, all right, you're right, you're fine, 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 I'm a cyclone. And, and, and I've never seen an Iowa fan get yelled at and screamed at and shamed so much that go, oh, or, or, like, I'm a, I'm a Hawkeye, right? I've, I've never seen that. Nobody has ever shouted, screamed, or shamed anyone into changing sides. As the great theologian Taylor Swift has said, shade never made anyone less gay, right? Now, now, now here's the deal. Like, we laugh at that, and we understand that, and you can agree with me on that when it comes to, to morale or when it comes to football and politics, but for some reason, we don't believe that, we won't buy into it, or we just can't get it when it comes to morality and Christianity, Point in case, maybe you're a Christian and you've got a friend that's a non-Christian or, or you're a Christian, you've got a friend, they are a Christian, but they've gone down a path or, and maybe they're making some unwise choices or, or maybe they've made unwise choices, they're currently making them, they're just going down a road and, and, and you know that they can't go down that road. And our goal, we feel like our goal is to change them. And so we'll build our cases and we'll tell them why they shouldn't go there and we ended up shouting at them and we scream them at them and we shame them because listen we love them and we want them to change and when they don't then we get upset and we cast them to like the island of misfit toys but if you don't get anything else i say today get this this is your sermon sermon in a sentence today no one has ever been changed by somebody shouting at them screaming at them or shaming them no one has ever been changed by shouting screaming or shaming and, and what's crazy is I see this in the Christmas story. Because here, here's the deal. Christmas is about joy to the world and peace on earth, right? But too many people who follow Jesus, listen, they follow him with really good intentions. Like we really do have really good intentions, especially when we're going to talk to somebody about maybe a destructive path that they're going down. But instead of stepping into somebody's life and bringing peace, we, we don't bring that, we bring war. And, and here's the thing. We think that we're so super spiritual, so we'll, we'll take a couple of verses and we'll back up our argument, well, the Bible says, and the Bible says, and the Bible says, and the Bible says, but, but at the end of the day, we don't change people by shouting at them or shaming them. Let, let me show you this in the Christmas story. I want to I show you what we talked about last week first. Um, I'm not going to read through the whole passage, um, but in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, the Bible says, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And, and then the angel goes on to tell Mary, you're going to give birth to the Messiah. Now, a couple of easy questions for you. These are softball questions, man. You got to see these coming in, hit these out of the park. Was this a significant spiritual event in Mary's life, yes or no? Yes. Would we call this a spiritual mountaintop experience for Mary, yes or no? Yes, absolutely, because here's why. Um, number one, I've never, I've never seen an angel. Like, Gabriel has never shown up in my house and told me something incredible. Um, if that happened, it'd be really cool. I'd probably be terrified, but it'd be really cool. Um, I would take video of it so that I could show you, so I could prove to you that, that the madness that I'm following and the angel told me. Like that, that, but it's never happened. Um, second of all, one of the things that you really need to understand um, is that this point in history, God hadn't spoken for about 400 years. For 400 years, 
There are no prophetic words. After the book of Malachi, it seemed like God just went silent for 400 years. And then all of a sudden, God says, hey, I'm going to speak, and I'm going to send this, this, this angel to a girl named Mary. And he shows up to Mary and says, hey, Mary, you're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. And this, this is a significant event and a significant spiritual moment in Mary's life, but it was her unique experience. Nobody else but Mary experienced this. Mary's the only one who has this experience. So stop for a minute and ask yourself this question. Who would be like the one person that Mary would be most excited about sharing this information with? Joseph, right? Joseph. She's like, I'm, I'm engaged to Joseph. I'm going to have a baby. This is incredible. This is amazing. I'm going to need to get to Joe, and I'm going to need to tell Joe all about it. But as we said last week, well, Joey didn't buy it. And, and, and let's be honest, neither would I, and neither would you. Again, if your teenage daughter came home today and said, I'm pregnant, but it's okay, God's the father. Every one of us would go, drugs. Now, go in your room, get them, bring it, right? I mean, we would, we would have issues with that. And we know that Joseph had issues with it, and we know that Joseph didn't buy it because of what Matthew tells us. Matthew and Luke both tell the Christmas story, um, and it's the same story, but they tell it from different vantage points. So look at what Matthew says, chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but, after they came, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit, which is the whole thing that we talked about last week. Like Luke, Luke tells the whole story. Matthew just sums it up in one sentence. Verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had a mind to divorce her quietly. And so again, let me ask you this so we're all on the same page. Did Joseph buy the whole, I saw an angel and I'm going to give birth to the Messiah story, yes or no? No. All right, now I'm just guessing at this point, all right? This is just me guessing, but play along. Do you think Mary tried to convince him that what she experienced was real? Do you, do you think Mary tried to convince Joseph, yes or no? Yeah, absolutely she did. Do you think maybe, perhaps, she tried to convince him, like, more than once? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. She probably went to him over and over and over and over again. This is the dude she's supposed to marry, and he's about to just descri- to, to, to just send her away. I'm like, no, hey, wedding's off. Send back all the invitation, everything we bought. Like, take it back to Target. Like, we just, nothing, man. It's, it's, it's over, Mary. And I'm sure she's just over and over and over again. No, Joe, no, 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 no. But don't miss us. At the end of the day, Mary was not the one responsible for changing Joseph. In fact, something this big, something this unbelievable, There's no way, there's nothing Mary could have done to change Joseph's mind. Which brings me to to three like big ideas that I find in the Christmas story when it comes to us and other people. If you're a note taker, you can write these down, these are in your outline. Number one, I can't change anyone. I can't change anyone. Write that down about yourself, because that's true about you, it's true about me. I, I can't change, you can't change anyone. Now listen, I can influence you. I can inspire you, I can inform you, I can exhort you, I can encourage you, I can do all those things. I cannot change you. In fact, if I try too hard to change you, not only will I not change you, I will isolate you. Like, I've seen this happen. You've seen this happen. Um, I watched one time 
um, a couple years ago, I was out with a group of people, um, and we were eating at a place, and there was another group of people that were sitting at the table right next to us um, as people that I knew. Um, now, the, the only common denominator between the two groups of people was me. Like, everybody there knew me, um, but they didn't know each other. And so I made introductions and kind of told everybody who everybody was and things like that. But then I sat with my group of people that I went there with, and, and we were having conversations. And there was a group over here, and, and our tables were right next to each other. And, and, but they were talking, and they were doing their own thing. Like, we did not engage in conversation with each other. And we were eating, and a girl that was in the other group started talking to her group uh, um, about um, a, a certain public figure, I won't mention the name because I don't want to cause division in church today, um, but they were like, oh my gosh, I read this thing about so-and-so, and it was so good, and everything, and da-da, and it kind of went through this whole thing, and, and, and as soon as she mentioned that person's name, this dude who sat at my table went like Psycho Billy Ninja, and he lost his dang mind. His face turned red, he turned around in his seat and looked at them and said, you like so-and-so? And they're like, oh yeah, like we love him. And he said, but he's not even a Christian. And they're like, well, how do you know that he's not a Christian? And it kind of went back and forth and they're kind of arguing. And, and, and this dude that was with me took like 10 minutes to build this incredible case how this person that they liked and they were talking about was actually like the Antichrist. And, and in that moment, I'm just like, Oh my, I was, I, was, I was so embarrassed, and I'm just like, how is this even happening? But, but what I saw him do was I did not see him change those girls, but I watched him push them away. Like, 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 and from that point on, as he's saying that thing, I'm just thinking every ounce of possible future influence that you can have is gone because you are more interested in making a point or, instead of making a difference. Like, he could not change them. They were not going to change him. He was not going to change them. I cannot change anyone. Now, th there are primarily two reasons we want to change somebody else. The first one, letter A, is love. I just love them. I just, you don't understand, right? I just love them so much. You got this friend. You got this family member. You got a spouse. You got a kid. You got a parent. You got a coworker. You got a neighbor. And, and, and they're going down the wrong road. And you love them so much that you don't want to see them make destructive decisions. I get that. I understand that. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. We just love them so much. But what winds up happening is we love this person, and then in Christianity, let me, let me share with you this phrase that I used to believe, I used to buy into. I probably taught it, I've said it, and, and, but I don't really, I'm not really buying into it so much anymore, and I'll explain why. This is what we say. Well, you know what? They're going down a bad road. They're making bad decisions, and so I'm going to love the sinner, hate the sin. Heard that before? Have, have you heard that? Have you said that? Now, now, this is what many of us do, and this is what many of us say. We're going to love the sinner and hate the sin. But let me tell you what winds up happening. And it doesn't happen immediately. It just happens over time. Because eventually, see, the focus in this sentence are on the word sinner and sin. And we begin to focus on the sin so much that inevitably, over time, we begin to hate the sinner as well. And, and you say, well, what should we do? Love the sinner, hate the sin? Like that... That just works. No, 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 no. I think I found something better. Why don't we just love the person? Why don't we just work really, really, really hard to love the person? Like, like why don't we just do that? Why don't we just love the person? 
And this is where people like want to take me to extremes and be like, my kid's smoking weed. And so you're telling me I got to go out and I got to buy my kid weed? All right, stop. Listen, do not buy your kid weed. That's just, no, I didn't say that. Like, like stop always taking what I say to extremes. Just love the person. That's what I'm saying. Just love the person because isn't that what Jesus modeled for us? What did Jesus model for us? Love people, right? Jesus didn't walk up to Matthew and say, I'm going to love the sinner, hate the sin. Matthew, stop collecting taxes so that you can follow me. No, no, no. Jesus saw him, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, in the middle of sin and said, Matthew, just follow me. Just, just follow me. And eventually, Matthew changed into the person that Jesus called and created him to be. But listen, don't miss this. Jesus didn't try to change Matthew on the spot. He just says, Matthew, I want to hang out with you. I want you to come and, and just spend some time with me. Just follow me. Listen, we can love people, but when we try to control and manipulate them, it's no longer love. It is no longer love, which leads to point number B, letter B, is control. The reason we want to try to change people is control. <laughs> now, this will be fun. How many of you love for somebody else to control you? Raise your hand. Any, anybody? Not very many, right? For example, masks. Listen, 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 listen. This, I'm not, we're not going to get into a debate about it. I'm not going to share with you my opinion. Don't share with me your opinion about it. But listen, the number one, the number one, the number one reason right now that people say they won't wear masks is because they say what? Nobody's going to control me, right? Nobody's going nobody to tell me what to do. No one's going to control me. I get that. I do. I'm 100%. Like, I'm, I'm right there with you, man. Nobody likes to be told what to do. I don't like being told what to do. I don't like being told where to, where to sit. I don't like being told where to eat. I don't like being told what to say. I don't like that. Most of us, if we're honest, we don't like somebody trying to control us. So think about this. If you're trying to control somebody in the name of Jesus, what does that make people think about Jesus? And, and, and this is where I'll get the pushback. Well, some people need to be controlled. Okay, you're right. Control your two-year-old. Stop letting them run around naked at Culver's, all right? That needs to stop. Control that, right? That, that's not good. But at the end of the day, when we try to control people, it always backfires. And here's why. I can't change anybody. I can't. You can't change anybody, period. Can't change anybody. Which leads to the second point, and this is the good news. Changing people is not my responsibility. Changing people is not my responsibility. This right here absolutely set me free when I discovered this, that changing people is not my responsibility. Influence, inspire, inform, encourage, yes, absolutely, but not changing. Let me try to explain it like this. I don't know who your favorite superhero is, was when you were growing up. Um, my first one was the Hulk, the Incredible Hulk. This is the OG Incredible Hulk right here. This Lou Ferrigno, he was on TV. He was awesome. I loved him so much that I used to, like, just try to emulate him and everything, and I loved smashing stuff like he did. One time, true story, one time, like, I tried to break my imaginary friend Bobby. Um, that's, that was his name. I don't know why, but that was his name. Um, I was, like, six years old, and I tried to, he was, he was being held captive 
in my neighbor's garage. And so I tried to break him out by busting all of the windows in their garage. They had windows that went all the way around their garage, like side by side. And, and I mean, so there were like 30, 40 windows. I smashed every single one of them. Now, I'd love to be able to have time to stand up here and tell you what my dad smashed um, after I did that. But that's another message for another time. But the Hulk was my superhero. We, we all have had superheroes, and we could talk through them, and, and we grow out of one, and we grow into another, and, and we have just like these, these ultimate superheroes. Now, little confession time here. My favorite superhero of all time used to be me. Seriously. Like it was me. Because I felt like I could change people. I thought, man, I'm Pastor Ryan. I can step into somebody's life and I can say, hey, the reason your life's falling apart is because you're listening to this kind of music. The reason your life is falling apart is because you're watching these TV shows. The reason your life is falling apart is because you're going to those places and you're doing those things. And so if you would stop this, this, and this, and you would start this, this, and this, and you know what? Every once in a while, people would actually take my advice and they would change. But they always went back to doing what they were doing. And, and, and I used to think, like, seriously, I used to think, man, if somebody had a problem, all they had to do was come to me. You got a problem. You got a problem with your kids. You got a problem with your wife. You got a problem with your friend. Just, just, just come to me, and I'll give you a verse or two, or I could tell you, like, hey, start volunteering, get more involved, read your Bible more, or pray more, and then eventually you would change. And if you didn't change, I blamed it on you for doing it wrong, or I blamed it on you for not having enough faith because I was the superhero. It was me. But then as I began to look at my so-called failures that I had in changing people, because seriously, I felt like an incredible failure because I, people weren't changing. I began to get depressed, and I thought, man, I'm not changing these people. I'm not changing these people. I'm telling them this, and I'm preaching this, and I'm doing this, and they're not changing. But what I discovered is that as a follower of Jesus Christ, our responsibility as followers of Jesus is not to change people. Because listen, the harder we try, the further we push them away. Our responsibilities as, far as followers of Jesus is to simply love people and let God change them in his time. It's not our responsibility. Which leads to the third point, only Jesus can bring about the change that matters. Only Jesus can bring about change that matters. Change. If, if somebody's going to change, listen, you've you got to hear me on this. You've got you to listen to this good. And this comes from ministry experience and from personal experience. Change has to be personal before it can be real. Like, like some people are like, hey, would, would you do this? Would you just quit for me? No. The answer is no. And, and, and listen, the reason why is because you don't want them to quit for you. Because if you, they quit for you, eventually they'll go back to it. It's got to be personal. Change has to be personal before it can be real. For example, many of you know this about me, a bunch of you don't, but I talk all the time about losing weight. All right, the, the problem is I talk about it. I don't really want to do it, though. Um, years ago, years ago, I was big, like almost 300 pounds big. Um, same height, same size, but, but I was big. Like I wore a size 50 jean, 50. Like that's, that's big. I was a big boy. And for years, people around me would tell me, Ryan, you need to make some changes. You need to make some changes. If you want to be around to see your kids graduate, if you want to walk your little girl down the aisle, you need to make some changes. And, and, and they're like, you eat like crap. You need to just like start, just start by eating better. And they're like, you need to get a, a nutritional plan. You need to exercise. But, but it's, and so 
I remember I went and I sat down with a personal trainer one time and he handed me this piece of paper and he said, hey, here's your diet and exercise plan. 80% of this is nutrition, 20% of this is exercise. And I, I listened to him and I sat there and he's like, all right, man, so here, here it is. Let's go out and let's work out. And I went out and I worked out. And on the way out, I threw out his diet and exercise plan into the trash can because I didn't believe it. Like, that's stupid. I talked to doctors who told me, Hey man, if you want to be around, if you want to, if you want, you need to get healthy. Like you're, you're gonna like need shots. You're gonna get diabetic. You're gonna do all of this stuff. And, and if, if you want to be around, you love your little girl. If you want to be around for her, then you've got to do this. And it starts with nutrition. And nutrition is more important than working out. And I'm like, whatever, man. Didn't believe him. I talked to nutritionists who said nutrition is the most important part. And I'm like, ah. Whatever, man, you don't know what you're talking about. I talked to people in the bodybuilding industry that told me, guess what? Nutrition is the most important part. And I'm like, I don't, I don't believe you, I don't believe you. But one day, I thought, huh, you know what I'm doing ain't working. I'm going to give this nutrition thing a shot. And listen, it was my choice. It wasn't somebody else's choice. Nobody made me do it. Nobody paid me to do it. You, you've heard that before. I'll pay you if you quit. As a matter of fact, Mary made me all kinds of deals over the years. Hey, if, if you do this, if you do this, then you can buy this motorcycle. If you do this, do this. Um, we'll work on having another kid. If you do, just kidding. Maybe. I'll just, some of you didn't even get that. You'll get that on the way home, maybe. But finally, I decided, you know what, man, I, I got to get serious about this nutrition thing. And so this is a decision I need to make. And so I made the decision, made the decision, um, worked at it, worked hard, lost like 130 pounds. Now, I know, I've refound most of it. That's where the illustration falls apart. But listen, here's the point. It was a change that for years people were telling me, dude, you need to make this change. You need to get this better. And they were guilting me into it. I mean, they were telling me things. I mean, that was legit. It bothered me. Hey, you want to walk Chloe down the aisle one day? You need to make this change. But it wasn't until I made the decision that I wanted to change that I made the change. Until change is personal, that person will not change. And when it comes to Christianity and our walk with Jesus, we can inspire them. We can inform them. We can influence them. We cannot change them. Think about this. If Mary, the mother of Jesus, could not change Joseph, you cannot change your friend your family member, your coworker, your neighbor. You could be their friend, but you cannot change them. Oh, and by the way, if you stop being their friend because you can't change them, you were never their friend to begin with. Let me say that again. If you stop being their friend because you can't change them, you were never their friend to begin with. Because in your mind, you were in love with a version of them that did not exist. At the end of the day, that's actually called being a hypocrite, not a friend. Because Proverbs 17, 17 says a friend... A friend loves at all times. Mary eventually gave up on trying to change Joseph. And guess what happened when Mary stopped trying to change Joseph? God changed him. Look, look, look what happens here. Matthew tells us this in verse 20. But after he had considered this, after he had considered divorcing her, leaving her, calling up the wedding, all that stuff, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Now, now think about this. The angel appeared to Mary, like physically, but appeared to Joseph in a dream. Let, let, let me say this. We've got to stop expecting people to have the same spiritual experiences that we have. 
God works in different ways to communicate to different people. And listen, don't miss this. He'll always communicate to them in a way that they will understand. He communicated to you in a way that you would understand. Don't expect him to communicate to your friends, your family member, your coworker, your neighbor in the same way he communicated to you. Because, because think about this. Think about Joseph. Maybe, maybe if Joseph would have physically seen Gabriel, maybe he would have needed a new pair of pants by the end of the night. I don't, I don't know. But God says, we're going to get him when he sleeps. We're going to show up that way. He did it in a different way. And so the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. I know she's been talking to you. I know she's been telling you this. I know she's been telling you, and I know you don't believe her. I know you want to leave her, but don't freak out. Look at this. Take Mary as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Like that's what Mary had been trying to tell him, right? He didn't believe Mary, but he believed the angel in the dream. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Again, same thing the angel told Mary, she's telling Joseph. You, you see this? So, so what we're trying to communicate to somebody, and they can't hear, like God can get to them just like that. Maybe it's time for us to get out of the way and allow God to move. J just a thought. You're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded and took Mary home as his wife. I bet he did. Like, the angel says that, he's just going to do it. Now notice what these verses do not say. The Bible does not say when, when Joseph woke up, he did what Mary had commanded him. Again, Mary had more than likely, more than once, probably a bunch of times, told him. But he didn't buy it. You know why? Because Mary couldn't change him. But God did in his time and in his ways. Listen, if you want to be a great friend to somebody, even to a misfit, you want to be a great friend to somebody, love them. Love them and then pray that God will get their attention. And then when he does, be there for them. Because obviously, like obviously Mary is here for Joseph. Like I can't imagine how this conversation went down. But, but Joseph wakes up and he goes to Mary. He's like, all right, man, I, I, I believe. And Mary didn't say, oh, no, 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 no. You had your chance, boy. I tried to tell you about Gabriel, the whole vision thing. No, 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 no. You don't believe in angels. Get out. Like, I don't want nothing to do with you. No. Mary was obviously willing to let it go. She never gave up on Joseph, and it took a work of God to get Joseph to not give up on her. But at the end of the day, don't miss this, because at the end of the day, God did what he needed to do in his time to change both people so that they would come together. And eventually we get the Christmas story because Mary didn't try to change Joseph. She let God change him. One of my all-time favorite verses is Ecclesiastes 3.11, which says God made everything beautiful in its time. Like, not our time, in his time. He makes everything beautiful in its time. There's a guy that I met um, a few months ago at St. Greg's, and he keeps me updated um, on how things are going with him. And he sent me an email a while back. That I want to share some of it with you. Um, he told me he comes from a long line of alcoholics, and he, he's writing me this thing about his dad. He said, my dad's a bad alcoholic. And he, and he wrote, Ryan, when I say alcoholic, I'm not talking about like he has a drink on the weekends. I'm talking about lost his job, eight DUIs, will never drive again in his, in his life, just hammered about every single day. And he goes on, and he's like, I don't want my dad to, to drink himself to death, and uh, he's going through all of this stuff. And he, and he writes, you know, a few years ago, I got in like this hyper-Christian phase where I would ignore him or not pay attention to him. 
Or when I did, it would be like I would yell Bible verses at him because I thought I could change him. And I began to notice I wasn't changing him. I was actually pushing him away. And, and again, th- this, is, this, this whole thing is just like so powerful. goes on to say, I, I want to let you know that two weeks ago I wrote him a letter and just said, I want you to know I love you. I forgive you for everything in the past, and I hope that you'll forgive me. I just want us to have a great relationship. A few days later, for the first time in years, we, we hung out a little bit together. And I made the decision to love him and not confront him or condemn him about his alcoholism. Now, this is the part where I love to tell you, and it goes on, and at the end it says, he led him to Jesus, and now he's the president of AA. And, ooh, it's awesome, celebration. Uh-uh. Dude's still an alcoholic. But his son is loving him through the process. Because guess what? Ask yourself this question. When God does a work in his life, who's he going to go to? Is he going to go to the people who yelled at him and screamed at him and shamed him for years? Or is he going to go to his son who isn't giving up on him? You answer that question and answer it honestly. You can't change people. I can't change people. Only Jesus can change people. We can only love them. And then when Jesus does change them, we need to be there with them and for them and help them take their next step. At the end of the day, that's what God has called us to do. That's who God has called us to be. That's how we change the world. Not by shaming them, but by loving them, letting Jesus do a work in them, and then being there for them. That's why God came to this earth as a baby, to become the man that would eventually be the ultimate sacrifice of love. Like that's, That's why we celebrate Christmas. And so that's my hope and my prayer this Christmas. My hope and my prayer is that we will step into some misfit family situations, some misfit friendship situations, and it's my prayer that we stop trying to change people. And instead, we ask Jesus to change them, and we simply love them through the process. Now, Pastor Gary's going to come up here and pray and, and close us out, and um, then they're going to sing a song. And, and during that song, I know some of you, when you came in, some of these are inside of an outline that you got inside of your bulletin. Not everybody got a bulletin when they came in. Um, I would ask you during the song to think about, like, a couple people that you would want to hear about Jesus. Um, our goal at, at Central is to, to, every weekend, create an environment and create an atmosphere where people um, can come in and they can experience Jesus and they can meet, meet Jesus and, and, and be changed. Again, knowing that only Jesus can change people. And I, and I get, I get that, that maybe you're not comfortable telling people about Jesus. But guess who is? <laughs> Me, right? I am. I'm perfectly fine with it. I love telling people about Jesus. And next week, we're going to show the gospel in our Christmas services. And people, people are going to know exactly who Jesus is and what Jesus did for them and how they can be set free from whatever is keeping them in bondage, whatever is holding them back, and, and they can understand what eternal life is all about. And so if God lays on your heart some people that you, that you know you, you need to invite, that he'd, like to come, that he'd like to have you invite here, come up here and grab one or two or 11 or 17 of these cards and, and, and take them out and, and let people know that, hey, Central's a safe place where you can come and you can hear a dangerous message, but it's a message.